Good morning. And happy 2018. I've already not written it correctly over and over. So um, as, you, as you know, I'm not Pastor Laura. I'm Pastor Tiffany. Um, hi. And again, please pray for Laura. She has the flu. And uh, she said her two daughters have had it. But Asher and Kevin just continue to lift them up in prayer. Um, and all of those that are suffering with illness. As a note, you won't... be using the study guide, so take that and save it for the next week. I'm kind of, I'm excited. This this cover is actually for me. I used to love Mr. Rogers. I don't know about y'all, but it's kind of like, okay, Tiffany, you're going to be okay. You got the the little jacket. You'll be good. (laughs) Um, Today's scripture is actually going to be Ephesians 2.19. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So Ephesians 2.19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's holy family. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, it is so wonderful to be here with family. And we do want to lift up uh, Pastor Laura and all those that are not here with us, that are sick or struggling or out of town, God, that you would just be with them. Lord, speak to us what you want us to hear and take away all that you don't. And just know, God, that we love you. You are our daddy, and we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So I don't know about you guys, um, how many of you got to spend quite a great deal of family time this holiday season? Okay, so for some of you, maybe it was good. Some of you, was it eh, a little iffy, right? Well, I know uh, my family, my my mom and my dad, my sister, uh, we we had quite a large crowd in our house this holiday. Um, And... One of the things I love about being with my family is that we always have these stories that we laugh at, you know. Do do you guys have those family stories where, you know, pretty much everybody has a little part that they play, they fill it in, you know, you you add it, and it's, it's, it's those things that make those stories shine. Well, my stories um, with my parents usually involve fishing stories, okay? So my dad is an avid fisherman. I laugh at this photo. If you see my dad now, he, he really kind of looks like Juan Valdez or something. Um, but he would take us fishing, and this was my, me and my sister. My sister's a little one. I'm the, I'm the one back there looking like I'm catching fish. But that is an illusion because we were at uh, Big Bend and, or Red River, I can't remember. Red River. Big Ben probably doesn't have water. Red River. Well, let's just say that the river was not red for me that whole week. I did not catch a single fish, okay? So that's the one story about me with fishing. Um, The other stories with me with fishing my dad loves to tell is that I've caught a big, gigantic frog, a bullfrog, you know, it was like this big. I also have caught a turtle, and I caught a seagull recently, (laughs) 
And so he used to always laugh at me that I never caught anything. And the thing that's amazing about these stories is you talk about them as families, you know, and like with fishing stories, they kind of grow and take this life of their own, right? Um, My dad's fishing stories, I could write a book about these things, okay? Um, One of the stories I love about my grandfather that used to go fishing is how his best friend, R.L., um, in my grandpa's later years, would load up my grandfather's oxygen tank for them to go fishing on their boat together. You know, like stories like that that help you to feel a part of something, right? So the fishing stories, and and then you take them and you pass them down. So there was this one fishing trip recently where I caught a lot of fish, went with my dad and with DG, and he's like putting them in my face, (laughs) and I'm screaming. Um, And, you know, so we we carry on those stories. We, We get to give them a life of their own. You're so mean. That's so mean. Um, DG has talked about how he would really love to do this podcast where he sits down with families and records them um, telling those family stories. Because maybe think about in your own life, who, who have those stories that, gosh, you just wish that you had recorded them saying that, you know? You wish you could record all the laughter and, and the banter around the table as they share these stories. Um, one of the stories that... Um, we, DG and I really thought long and hard about was, you know, as, as we're adopting, you know, so many of the stories that we as families tell is, you know, oh, you look like your great-grandmother, and, you know, remember, you, you have your mother's eyes, or you're the red hair of your grandfather, you know, and so with adopting, we were like, what, what do those stories look like? Um, we got a call from Gracie's birth mom, Vanessa, and she told us a story that we have told Gracie from the time she was little. And um, it's, it goes like this. If she were in here, I think she could probably finish it. That as Vanessa was about a month away from having this very large baby, um, she's looking through these stacks of photograph books. Each family had to submit a photograph book that kind of explained who you were as a family. And so Vanessa talks about having these stacks of books, and she got to this ratty-tatty book, and that she looked through it, and it was these two pastors, you know, this guy with a beard, and they had this beagle dog, and, and she said that as she was looking at it, that the baby in her tummy kicked. And this is Gracie's um, ultrasound that we got from her. Um, she said that she put the book down, and so she went back through the book. She's just talking about how hard a decision it is. I mean, how do you look through photograph books and choose who's going to ha- take care of your child? She said that she went through them again, and she got back to ours, and that the baby in her tummy kicked. And so even, even last week, you know, Vanessa was on the phone, and she's like, baby girl, like, you chose, you chose your mommy and daddy. You know, so Gracie will say, she's like, I I chose you guys, you know, and sometimes she's like, but, you know, it's, it's those stories that you tell that frame how your children think of themselves. Those stories maybe that your mom or your grandmother or your grandfather told you that frame who you are. Um, Just this past week, we went to go see Coco. Have you seen that movie? And my grandmother is um, from Mexico. And there are so many things that she would say to me that as we're watching Coco, I'm like, oh, that's what it means. You know, like, 
Vaminos means go, not dominoes. You know, like they order your pizza and deliver it to you fast. I thought that's what it meant. Or, you know, like th- there were just things that they would say, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't realize how much those memories and those stories form and frame who you are. Um, DG was talking with a Methodist pastor that worked as a chaplain in a retirement home, and he said one of the greatest gifts that you can give to some of these elderly is they want to feel like they are leaving a legacy. And so for them to be able to share with people, like, kind of like their scripture story, you know, like, here's a scripture that has meant a lot to me, that has formed me, and that for so many of them that it, it, it helps them to feel like they are leaving a legacy, um, I wanted to show you my, my storybook from when I was a little girl. I looked, I scoured the internet trying to find these because I could not find my story Bible anywhere. And so I'm going crazy looking up 1960s children's Bibles, 1970s children's Bible. And I found this one and I'm like, I think that's it. But then this morning I came in my office and I'm like, okay. This, this is my story Bible. And I, I don't know about you, but like when I read the Bible, even when I was in seminary, you know, I'm supposed to be all smart and fancy reading the Bible. I see these pictures. Um, my favorite was this one, and I'll hold it up. I wish I had taken a picture, but it's this one. And um, it's from Daniel 5. And the thing I love about it is there's this weird creepy hand like super like suspended in the air writing on the wall and I remember looking at that and thinking that is so weird like there's a hand just and it's God writing on the wall you know so so many of the scriptures for me have those pictures for them family stories you know have you ever thought about what are your family stories? Um, one of the things that I love about the Bible and, and teaching it to kids and to youth is that these are our family stories. You know, and, and what I always tell them in confirmation is there is some weird stuff in here, okay? This is my Bible. It is one of those fancy ones. But, I mean, there are some really crazy stories in here. And I always give them little teasers about, you really need to look for, you know, this dude that was told to lay on his side for forever. You know, look at that one. But one of my favorite chapters begins with these words. It's Hebrews 11. And it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by God, by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then the author of Hebrews just goes into our family history. It's like one by one by one, he talks about creation. He talks about Abel, and he talks about Abraham. I thought some of this is just so good, I can't give it adequate verbiage for you. So I'm just going to read some of this, some of our family stories. And some of them are up, were up there. But it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Or what about this one? By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises 
And he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead. Then you go on and it's, you talk about the Passover by faith. The people kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood over the door. You know, and it's, you see in the Old Testament, even Joshua, you know, your great, 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 great grandfather Joshua. He told the people of Israel, each tribe, to take a stone and put it in the Jordan River as they crossed and to stack them up. So later, when their kids are like, hey, mommy and daddy, what is that thing right there? That they could point at that and say, remember when we were exiles in a foreign country and God brought us out of that country? They were, you were supposed to tell these stories. You were supposed to pass them down. It says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. You know, happy story. Some are happy, some are not. You know, but then it's like, and what more shall I say? Some were quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. And all these things, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And then it goes on into chapter 12 and says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set for us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Have you ever thought about what is your family's soul story? What, what is the story, maybe from, from the Bible that you read as a child, or maybe one of these that I just read, you're like, that kind of sounds like me. I kind of feel sawn in two lately. <laughs> I know for me, I used to love the story of Jacob, how it says he wrestled with an angel and that the angel like wrenched his hip. You know, I was born with bilateral hip dysplasia, and I thought that was pretty cool. You know, Jacob walked around with a with a really bad limp from wrestling with an angel. One of the stories for me that is, I would consider, a framing soul story is um, when I was in high school, I had this weird experience where I just left there and I knew that I had been called into ministry. Unfortunately, people hadn't really shared with me a lot of the stories of people being called into ministry other than the Bible. So I just, for some reason, I thought it was just this weird, weird, strange experience. And so I went to my dad, and my dad is a man of few words, and um, I go to him and I'm like, so Pop, I think that I've been called into ministry. And he's like, okay. All right, that was very anticlimactic. And so then I go to my mom, and I'm like, um, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, she is just going to freak out. You know, you're, you're telling your parents, you know, hey, I'm not going to do the amazing careers you thought I would. And so I go to her, and I'm like, um, 
I really, f- I, I've been called into ministry. And she looks at me and she said something that I know shaped the rest of my life. She said, honey, you didn't know that? She said, when your daddy and I took you and we had you baptized, I felt like Hannah taking Samuel to the temple and I gave you to God. A family story that I didn't even know I was living in. It's one of the reasons that I love working with kids and youth is because what a holy calling to share these family stories with them and to say to them, hey, like, I see Nehemiah in you. Like, you could build some really amazing things for God. Or maybe, maybe you're kind of like Rahab, you know, not her profession, but, you know, that, that you, you are going to, like, save people and kind of go against the grain, you know? You're going to live a life that you basically become, like, the great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Have you thought about what are the stories, the soul family stories, that we're passing down to our kids and our grandkids? And when I say family, here's the thing I love about this thing we call church. Is I got a secret for you. We're family. In the truest, most beautiful, inclusive terms. You know, it's like, I don't know if we can do it here because I'm usually over with the youth, but um, I was at this one church where when the pastor would baptize a baby, they would walk down the aisle and be like, hey, like, here's your great-grandpa, you know, James. He's good in math, and he will help you with your homework, you know, or here's your great-grandma, um, Linda. She's a teacher. She taught English. She's going to help you, you know, with your work in a very real tangible way, saying to these families and these kids, this is your family. And it's one of the reasons that I love communion, which I thought, how cool that we're doing communion today, is that John Wesley used to say that communion is a means of grace. And what that means is you experience the grace of God in a very real, tangible way. And it's one of the reasons that I love inviting our kids and youth and young to communion. Now, I know for some of you, maybe you've been raised Catholic, and I respect and honor that tradition. But part of what is amazing about being in this particular, you know, cousin side of the Christian family is that we believe that this table is about our family story It is about who we are together. And it's so formative for kids to walk with you and to see you take communion and for you to tear the bread and and put it in their hands. You know, I usually don't say this is the body of Jesus broken for you because I'm thinking if they really think about this, they're going to be like, (laughs) thanks. You know, or this is the blood shed for you. You can see their faces like, what? But for me, it was formative. I remember it vividly. And I, you know, people say, well, kids don't get it. That's why I don't want my kids to come with me. And my response is, who of us really does? Who of us can really get the amazing, beautiful depth of the story of communion? One day, DG was a pastor in Albuquerque, and Gracie was two and a half. And I walk in the office, and here is what she is doing. 
look at this picture and tell me that kids do not get it. That little girl is blessing communion like she had seen her daddy do every month. This is our family story. It is so important that we share these stories, that we talk about them together, and that what is so beautiful about communion is that it is our time when we can come to the family table. And we sit here and we share the stories. You know, why, why is it wine? Well, they, they painted the blood over the door to say, hey, God, like, I belong to you. And then you read the stories of Jesus and you think, <laughs> you know, when you really read it, I'll never forget in confirmation, Doug may remember this, but there was one Sunday that we were talking about Jesus and, and one of the youth looks at me and goes, oh my gosh, Jesus is God. And I thought, all right, I can die happy now. Like, that was totally worth it. You know, that you've got the family story. So as we come today to this table, what this says to you as a story is, welcome home. You are home. And some of you may think, I don't belong here, but this is screaming out that you do. You are welcome This is your story, and in a very tangible way, we get to enter into this story. So come and remember your family. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen.